Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a great show for you today. We are here with Chris Morano of Clear Path Herbals. So welcome, Chris. Hi, thanks for having me here. Of course. I'm so happy that you're you're here to sit down and, and talk about your huge, vast amount of what <laughs> you do for the, the community around here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, so tell us um, who you are and, and what you do. So I'm an herbalist, and I guess that has lots of adjectives in front of it. I'm called a clinical herbalist because I help clients, anybody that has health issues, with uh, anything from acute to chronic uh, right across the board. And I'm also very, very um, devoted to teaching other people to be wise about herbalism, whether it's for themselves or for their community or whether they want to take it the whole route and kind of do what I do and help others that are outside of my community. And all that comes with it. You start working with herbs and you realize there's a lot to go with it and most of it is wonderful. So I couldn't say no to any of it. So I have gardens where we grow our a lot of our medicines and give herb walks and go wild crafting out there for other medicines that are um, that are ethically okay to to wild craft and use for medicine that means going out and getting herbs that are out there in the wild that I don't have to plant ahead of time and some people call that foraging foraging yeah usually when they say foraging they're doing that for food they're going to ah, go home and cook it and okay. then if they're doing it to make medicine then they call it wild crafting but it's just semantics yeah and I teach. I teach at UMass. Uh, of course, uh, Topics in Herbalism. I've been doing that for about 15 years. Wow. And uh, let's see. Making my own medicines. I have an apothecary. Um, so basically three large hats. One is helping people with the herbs and my uh, background in different healing modalities. And another is teaching uh, and a third one is products, making them and making them available, making formulas for people. And as part of that, recently I just branched out and brought my one of my products above the radar, uh, created its own company. Like my company is called Clear Path Herbals, and that's what you would find if you went to my website. But if I'm going to sell a product, I have to create a different name because of regulations. So I have another company called Chrysalis Botanicals and one product so far called Limeade. It's a, a remedy to treat, you know, one of the biggest epidemics hitting this area, Lyme disease. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's topic a huge one. all in itself. Oh, my God. So yeah. you have so many different aspects of your business. And I think the first thing that pops into my head is somebody who also gets you know, I'm a Sagittarius. So I like to have a Me lot too. of different things. Are you? Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> How do you keep balanced with all these major things that you have in your career? Um, well, I'm my own boss. So if I don't like what I'm saying, I rebel. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> um, and I realize I can't do all of it at any one time, but I've also been doing it a long time since uh, 
you know, I first got interested in it in the uh, early 80s, and I started studying it pretty deeply in the late 80s and started helping people when I was still living in New Jersey, moved here in 1995 and just kept on doing it. And back then, hardly anybody was doing anything. So you wound up doing everything. Mm. And, and none of it was uh, displeasing to me. I won't, every single time I turned my attention to something else, I was like, I love this. This is all I want to do, whether it was growing them, the medicines, finding the medicines, making the medicines, seeing people, teaching about it. So I just decided I'll, I'll just do all of it. I can create my own life because it's I'm self-employed. I can create my own the way I want to do it, and that's what I did. And it's evolved over the years. You know, I've had a lot of help too. I can't. In the beginning, I was doing it all, and I quickly saw that's going to be a burnout situation. So you need help, and then some things go on the back burner, and then you pick them up a little while later, and. Somebody comes along and kicks you in the butt and you're like, oh, okay, I'll do that now. And then it just one thing leads to another. Yeah. yeah. That is really interesting because that's something that, yeah, I guess if you're always focusing your attention on the aspect that you love, it's going to yeah. nourish you. Yeah, I love it. I just, I don't know what I would do without it. And, you know, that's a big question because sometimes I have to talk with people who need to make a decision about things that they love that they might need to leave behind and when i think about that for myself i say abby on the floor with my fingernails digging through the floorboard saying i don't want to stop this I, yeah. I love every part of it yeah 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 that's really cool the mushrooms would start growing if you were digging in the floorboards and you'd <laughs> i find, like I'm mushrooms sure, too i'm the sure you'd find a part of it <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely um so tell us a little bit about so I met you through the Hungry Ghost uh, Herbal Talk series that you right. have on Fridays uh, around, what is it, 5.30? 5.30 to 6.30, yeah, in about an hour and a half. We'll yeah, be. so it'll be following up right after the show. So if you're in Northampton or in the area, you can catch the, the Herbal Talk series that, yeah. you, um, that you facilitate. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about how that, that sure. talk got going in the gardens? And Well, there's another side, just one. It sounded like I was doing too much as Clear Path Herbals. A very good friend of mine for years now, Owen Wormser, and I um, found realized that we had a lot of things in common around plants and community. And we thought long and hard about what we could do because both of us, well, more so me, I was just taking it for granted, thinking that everybody knows this stuff and everybody does this stuff. And Owen turned around and said, no not a whole lot of people know this stuff and not a whole lot of people are doing it. So why don't we do something like that? So we... When, when you say not a lot of people know about this stuff, what stuff in particular um, are you talking yeah, about? Um, local har we created Local Harmony, which uh, was... Uh, the mission statement is uh, designed to cultivate uh, gardens with intent. And uh, gardens are both literal, like we work outdoors in stewardship ways, locating places where we think a garden would be amazing in a community and then go to that community whether it's a town or an organization and say and proposing to them would you be willing to uh, consider having your front or your back or your surrounds to be turned into something amazingly beautiful and uh, we'll sit here with you and figure out how we can do that at a fraction of the price uh, using community to fund it, to to provide the labor, and we, uh, Owen is a landscape designer, so he has that eye. He looks around and he sees that's a vacant lot. That would be amazing. Or like with the hungry ghost, 
that's a slopey, grassy, barren-looking place, and we could have something amazing right in the center of Northampton. So we approached uh, the Hungry Ghost owners, and then we realized quickly that the actual land and building is owned by Smith College. So oh, we wow. approached them as well, and we every one of these situations has its own unique qualities to it. So we had to work with Smith and the owners, and then we just put out the word to volunteers and say, this is what we're doing. And I think it was like 300 man hours of labor done wow. purely with volunteer. Um, Ashfield Stone donated all the stone. Uh, Owen designed it at a fraction of the price, you know, like like low wages. And then we just went in and we busted it out. Wow. And we asked the owners what they would like. And uh, Cheryl, one of the owners of Hungry Ghost, said she would love to have a garden made completely up of medicinals and i was like well that's my ballpark yeah so you're like, I, I, got just, this. I got that and we said well let's make let's make them medicinal let's make them beautiful let's make them hearty and then we just blasted it in there and it just took off and uh, not only that but side things like amazing pollinator attractors and people attractors and community attractors so part of it is we built a um, a bit of an amphitheater there with the intention of being able to have talks, performances, poetry readings, and we started up three years ago the first uh, annual herbalism in the Pioneer Valley. We figured, well, if we might as well have first dibs yeah. on, on what the talks are, and we said, well, this is a medicinal garden. Everything in here, it's like a teaching sanctuary, and so for the last three years, I've been going out and finding herbal-oriented people local to this area, whether they're in the field of helping people with uh, uh, their medicinal know-how or products or teaching or books or growing, all kinds of things. And you've gotten some kind of local local famous people. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the... Last week, we saw Mary Ryan. Mary Ryan, owner of Blue Dragon Apothecary. Um, I saw... Was it Blanche? Blanche um, Derby. She's, she's amazing. Like, she wore this hand-painted coat. Oh, yeah. And just... She's the queen of foraging. Oh, yeah. And she's like humble royalty as far as i'm concerned she's amazing chris killam the first year he's the medicine man he's like he's got his own tv show he goes all over the world next week yeah next week next week we'll have Funsog uh wang mo the director of the tibetan school of medicine wow so yeah we have some awesome people yeah, yeah it's it's very impressive i feel like every time i go there i learn something and yeah. i you know, I see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd just from the people who tend to, uh, to who attend yeah. them regularly. But it's just so much good information. Right. Every year it grows. It's free to the public. Yeah. You know, it's a great bakery. There's pizza there and people get to come in and sit down and listen. Yeah. And it's pretty eclectic. And yeah. We yeah. still haven't run out. We haven't, except for me, I get to, since I'm organizing it, I get to speak once each time. But yeah. I've not had any repeats yet because there are so many people in the area doing great things. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to circle back a little bit to the gardens. So what other type of gardens do you develop within this area? And what other kind of locations do you, um, so have you guys developed? It can be anything and everything. So if you've been down in Turner's Falls... Uh, right on their main drag, I think it's Avenue A. They had a bunch of these beautiful planters, maybe about 40 of them, 20 feet long, 8 feet wide. Every wow. two of them had their own water supply. That's cool. They're all in front of all of these establishments coming off the bridge from Gill. 
And, you know, some of them were being well kept by, by the people who own the businesses, but most of them were in disrepair. And we was like, wow, you know, Shelburne Falls has their bridge of flowers. Why, why can't uh, Turner's Falls have its avenue of planters? Right. And so there's that. Uh, we're working with the Hitchcock Center and doing more of an educational, very cross-diverse type of garden uh, installment. Uh, right over in Northampton on Crafts Avenue next to the Town Hall building, there's that very steep slope that was just grass. And we went to the, you know, the mayor and the offices that are in charge and said, how about we turn this into a self-sustaining meadow? that will attract pollinators and also reduce the amount of labor to upkeep this grass on a very steep slope that requires special machinery. It'll just take care of itself. And we put in a demo of one quarter or one fifth of it last year and they loved it. And now they're giving us the green light to go ahead and do the rest. That's so cool. Um, the Eric Carl Museum. So there's, we're, we're uh, veteran, the veterans, um, the Veterans Hospital or Veterans... There's a Veterans Building in Northampton going towards Florence. Yeah? Yes. I think so. I can't keep track of all of them. <laughs> you <laughs> so, guys are just finding little spots and making little them more beautiful. making them beautiful. A vacant lot in uh, Shelburne Falls. It's going to be awesomely beautiful. So these are all cropping up. And now the momentum of having done it a couple of times, especially with the showcase of uh, the Hungry Ghost Bakery Gardens, people are like, actually now sometimes calling us up and saying what do you think about maybe coming over here and doing that and we have our requirements it can't be like a private owner coming in and saying can you come into my back 40 acres and make it slammingly beautiful it's like well that's it's a different pay for that right yeah community is we go in and and just to show people that we can build we can make beautiful gardens everywhere anywhere the earth Planet Earth and Earth, you know, Big E and Small E, they both are amazing at making gardens. As soon as you pay the slightest attention to it, it just delivers dividends like a hundredfold more. Mm. And just doing that is inspiring to people. They come around, they say, wow, this is, this is unbelievable what you're doing. I say, well, actually, it's not. It's not unbelievable at all. It's, it's like, very it's, believable because it's, it's happening. And it's it's not that hard to do and and we're showing people it's like you can do this we don't want to be the ones that are doing it for everyone everywhere we want to teach the system and say go run with this do this in every community everywhere let's turn the world back into gardens Mm. you know because we need and nature responds so quickly yeah right away there's pollinators might be down in other parts but in those gardens they're slamming they're there And I feel like that is such a huge aspect of your mission and your businesses is the teaching, is the Mm -hmm. skill sharing. Yeah. What made you want to get into this aspect of teaching herbalists and teaching people how to garden and develop these spaces for a um, a community? Well, I used to be a teacher. Teacher. Okay. Yeah, I have a master's degree. Like elementary school? High school. Okay. The The hard year. Yeah, where you have to be like... We have to be real straightforward. I was teaching 10th grade biology and environmental studies in an ex-urban high school in New Jersey with, you know, 25 to 35 people in a class. And and this was back in the 80s and going into the 90s. And I realized I would I love to teach. 
I don't like any of the administrative aspects of it. Uh, it's a very political situation. Schools are super political. 100%. I grew up in a town that was one of the most politically corrupt towns in the country, and they really infiltrated the school system. Wait, which which? It was like Soprano land, New okay. Jersey. So it was just one mafioso family taking over from the next one and then saying, I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican. And I was like, okay. So I got pretty cynical about that. And then I kind of got cynical about teaching an age group in an institution that most of them didn't really want to be taught. I didn't want to have to deal with classroom management. So, But I loved to share this information. I moved up here. I resigned from teaching. I was already doing the herbal stuff. And um, moved up here and then just started doing that. My first and foremost thing was I wanted to be able to teach others how to do it because I have a knack for making things easier to understand. That's what teachers do. That's They're teachers the do. bridge between yeah. one side and the other. Yeah. And then I started my own school. There was another school, uh, Blazing Star School of Herbal Medicine, used to be owned by a woman named Gail Ulrich. I, I ran that for a year because she, she passed away. Okay. And made it easier for another woman, uh, Tony Lemos, to come in and take it over. And then I started my own school, Clear Path School of Herbal Medicine, and still continues to this day. And and what's the website for ClearPath? ClearPathHerbals.com. That's very Pretty easy. easy. Yeah. yeah. You were just talking about how, you're, for you, the gardens are also a very meditative space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I have my... So the gardens at Hungry Ghost are ClearPath Herbals sister medicine gardens. My main gardens, which aren't quite so intensely, amazingly beautiful, uh, they're more spread out. They're in Montague on a farm. They're designed to be first and foremost a teaching garden and also a sanctuary. You know, people say, well, if I come there, what am I going to learn? And I say, well, just come on over and check it out. And then they realize after a day or so of being there that being in the garden is medicine. Mm. And being with these perennial plants that have been there for 12, 13 years, they've established their own ecosystem and and being with other people who enjoy doing the same thing and getting in your hands in the earth. I think human beings are hardwired to be stewards and caretakers and gardeners. It's something that makes most people really soothed when they're doing it. So I kind of try to trick them into coming so that they realize it themselves. And they say, well, I can do this in my backyard. And I'm like, bingo, that's right. You can do this in your backyard. Yeah. And... You can also do it here, but I'm not holding you here. You just come anytime you want, but please build a garden in your backyard as well. And it really does just being in, having your feet in the earth and being around plants, it really calms your nervous system oh, down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big time. And again, there's other animals that come in, you're hanging around and there's bees buzzing around you. There's butterflies all around and you. Bunnies. And bunnies. And bunnies. Yeah. And we're on a farm, so ducks will go walking by on their weekly tour of the gardens. And we have so much uh, medicines that we don't care if like a woodchuck or two comes in and partakes of all these medicines. Like we have plenty. We have more than enough. It's enough to go around. Mm -hmm, for everybody. Yeah. So so the gardens are are, are the kind of meditative teaching space. Meditative teaching and supply. And, the and they and also supply... supply for my apothecary, you know, there's mm -hmm. certain products where I need a lot, so I can't, I can't do it with the product that's coming. This is more like if you had your own apothecary and you were making medicines for your community, 
how much would you need? And that's my, my private personal apothecary is for my clients and my community. And the gardens can supply, each species that I grow there can supply enough for that. But if somebody want, if my limeade formula, for instance, takes off and then I'm going to have to call other farms and say, please supply these ingredients because it'll be a lot more. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I'm not a farmer farmer. That's not one of my intentions. I'd be too many hats. I couldn't do it. And as a Sagittarius, it's important to have a little bit of freedom and flexibility. And farming is a full-time gig. Farming is a hard one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the Clear Path Herbal School that you have. Because that that is, when I was looking at your website and the clearpathherbals.com, it was, you have Eastern herbs, yeah. Western, Western, indigenous, the, indigenous the plant spirit medicine. Plant spirit medicine. The yeah. Medica. Yeah aspects so yeah it's diverse i i the school is in three levels um first level is cultivating the healer within second level is cultivating community herbalism and the third level is cultivating a clinical practice so first and foremost we we need to understand you know herbalism is not just plants herbalism is where plants and people meet in regard to health Oh, that's interesting. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, herbalism is the place where plants and people meet in regard to health. So if people come in and say, I just want to know about herbalism, herbs, medicinal herbs, it's like, well, for who, for what? If you want them for people, you need to know how people work. And herbs help on all levels, the physical, psychological, emotional, spirit. So we need to learn about people on all levels. And so there are these ancient healing traditions that didn't separate things out the way modern allopathic medicine has created so much separation. First, we separated uh, intuition from intellect pretty long time ago. Then we separated um, medicine and science from what we consider to be intuition and uh, more like magic, if you wanted to call it that. And then we separated healing into this is a body doctor, this is a brain doctor, a mind doctor, an emotional doctor. And then we separated the body into here's a cardiac specialist, here's this, here's that. And we lose the forest for the trees. And a lot of people are coming with a very holistic concern. And so we have to understand how people work. And these older traditions didn't separate people out. And they have... They have awareness and concepts and principles and tools and skills to meet on all those levels. So, And I came originally from more so being, I was originally really into nature and then I was into science. I went to college originally to become a doctor. Halfway through, I got totally disillusioned with that. Yeah, if you don't like the public school system, you definitely no. probably wouldn't like the medical school system. system. <laughs> and then the medical system. Yeah. But then I fell into the lap of a of a very, very renowned uh, Chinese Buddhist master. And I completely immersed myself in the Chinese way of looking at the world, which permeates every aspect of their culture. So it, yin and yang and the five elements explains how everything works, not just people or plants it also everything about the planet so you can just take that system and move it through and because i was through all these different ways of looking at people and because i was steeped in it for 15 20 years uh that's my my 
introduction and my avenue to Chinese medicine comes through that avenue. And then I, in my late 20s, I was lucky enough to fall into the lap of a Cherokee medicine man. And so started this healing wisdom tradition coming from a completely different paradigm, which you find out has got a lot more in common with the other paradigms because at the heart of people, it has to start becoming similar. There has to be parallels. You know, of we're looking at people and health and plants and the world and the planet, and you take it down far enough, these different ways of looking, they're going to meet somewhere. And so the Native American system came in through Cherokee and then later the Anishinaabe Ojibwe with a couple of uh, women medicine elders who were wonderful grandmothers to me. And, um, and then the West, the West is hardwired into us. The modern Western is. The older Western is not as hardwired, but we are already familiar with the language and the vocabulary. So we can see how the European, Egyptian, Greek, Roman way of helping in the old days also does that. So those are my three lenses. I could have also, you know, dived into Ayurveda or Tibetan medicine at one point. There's I thought, still time, Chris. Don't worry. Well, that and also <laughs> it's like, I don't want to do so many things that I spread out so thin. So, yeah, so yeah. I, and having a lens that sees, you know, the, the West sees things in a material way. The East sees things more in a, a energetic way and being able to have both of those lenses going on at the same time. And then the Native American way is extremely, um, it's so hard to explain. It, it has, in my mind, it's closer to Chinese and it's that it's constantly bringing us to, this is where we are. Mm. And not so much how things should be. This is where we are and how do we work ourselves? How do we navigate life? How do we walk through life and the world in as graceful and as honorable and as sacred a way as possible? And, and so this, their, their teachings were more organic definitely more nature oriented and very much uh, ceremonial oriented having to help people with issues that require more than just drinking a cup of medicinal tea so all of these came together from the people who taught me and said please go out and teach this you know and i wove it together and i offer classes on the cultivating the healer level that first level is like this is the construct we need to see how things work from these places so we understand why these plants are doing what they're doing and also what's going on inside of us oh tremendously so so meditation sensory awareness exercise mindfulness skills language skills concept skills the people come into the class and they have no idea in the beginning sometimes we don't even talk about a plant for three or four weeks because it's like we're not there yet we have to break it all down yeah and reform it and yeah. in a way that you're seeing it the way they saw it yeah you know? and so that's and that's not just intellectual stuff that's also go out there and do it and that's where plant attunement comes in which is very cross-cultural it's what do you think is the, the biggest thing that you have that people need to unwind from bef when they're starting to cultivate the healer within taking your introductory classes at, at Clear Path Herbals? What do you think is the biggest thing that people need to unhook from when they're, when they're starting to learn these new constructs? Um, it's just a human tendency to translate things through something you already know. Right. You know, so my Buddhist master used to tell me, it said, 
He says, you know, if you want to learn about Catholic religion, don't come to me. <laughs> right. He goes, it's going to be very hard for me to filter it through their their eyes. You know, go talk to that. So I I saw that people were oftentimes, many times in the beginning, it's impossible not to do it. You hear something coming from a completely different way of looking and you have to translate it and filter it through what you know. So, so a large part of the level one is about deconstruction and unwinding that tendency to want to, um, to, want to filter it because that limits us. As soon as we take it as it is, as this new way of looking, then we don't lose what we saw, but it just opens up a whole new vista and it's like now you have two pairs of eyes you know and that's that's the hardest thing in the beginning and you the have, other one you is you have like the third eye too third eye. yeah and the western way is also very we're we're hardwired with the western way modern western way and the older western way which is to not think about health until it's gone wrong right and so and that's very much a filter that we have in oh yeah. our culture you know it's it's chinese in Chinese medicine, maybe not so much anymore, but in the older days, you paid your doctor while you were healthy. Stop paying them when you got sick and started paying them again when you got healthy again. It's a completely different way of looking at things. It's like how to shift from getting better once you've gotten sick to seeing the signs and learning how to stay well and balanced in process while we're moving through life because it always changes. Yeah. yeah. So that's the two biggest things, I think, understanding that the body knows what to do if you get out of the way and give it the right things and make yeah. a few adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, and this might be a lar larger question before we go on break, but do you feel like, well, let me, let me reframe this question. It, especially in a lot of herbal Western classes and courses that I've taken, even if whether it's a an herbal walk or, you know, kind of learning about garden plants, it, it tends to be more female heavy. Do you do you find that to be true as well, or is that a misconception of mine? No, not a misconception. It's changing. When I first started going to conferences, um, it was probably ninety percent to ten percent female to male right what is that because it's not like that in eastern no. culture in traditional chinese medicine there's a, a good blend of of men and women doing doing that work anything i say is gonna sound you know this is just my opinion sure. so i'll say that um up until recently i don't i don't actually even sure what recently stands for but um there's been a tendency for women to be much more open to feeling and to and to looking in and to and to looking under and to being still and to receiving whereas the male is more like it, maybe the herbalism wasn't exciting enough maybe maybe if it was hunting or something it would have been different so it seemed like this is this is not what i focus on i i you know, I know when I played sports as a kid, it's like, just, you get hurt, just keep on going. Just stop. Don't, don't stop for anything. And it's like, that's, that was like a male ingrained thing to just like disregard the body and 
and just keep on plowing through. And right. And like boys don't cry. Boys like don't you're cry. not allowed to express that that softer. Don't express weakness and and if I have to get involved with health, I'm already maybe admitting to something that it's like let's let's just do something else. Yeah. And uh so that's that's crossed my mind, maybe that, but I don't know for sure and it is changing and it goes in waves. I've had classes 10, 15 years ago where it was 50-50. Hmm. Now, right now again, it's uh like 70-30 percent more women than men but it just shifts i think it just with me and my classes i think it's just more like the stock market it just goes up and down and changes because i have seen i've actually had a couple of classes where i had more males than females yeah so but most of the time more women do you feel that men are more open to learning from you because you're a man? Like, do you feel like it maybe that it's a safe space for them to kind of reside in their masculinity or what, you know, what they perceive as a masculine, like, yeah, zone? I don't I know. I'm just so. kind of throwing out yeah. ideas. And also because, like, I grew up in New Jersey, in the city, so I don't have, like, uh, I have, like, an edge that sometimes comes across as being more real, less, I don't know, what do we want to say? Well, New if, you can, teach, if New you can if you can teach high school students, you know, I yeah. think for a substantial amount of time, they have a, a you know, the, the BS detector. Oh, yeah. And so if you can kind of keep it on the level with high school students, you, mm-hmm. can, you can keep it real with everyone. Yeah, I like to keep it real. It's sort of like, okay, this is what we're saying, but this is what I'm looking at right now. And let's just look at that. You know, and let's just strip away our preconceptions. And a lot of people like that. That helps also when I see clients. It's also in the past, I would see way more women than men as clients. And that's changed also. And probably also because men can maybe talk to me a little easier because Mm -hmm. I'm not, they're not going to, they might be able to hear holistic terminology spoken by me in a way that won't make their eyebrows go up and and feel like they're skeptical as much because i can say well i've done that and here look at me look you know here it is we're doing this and and uh that's that's kind of what i think but i'm not so sure and i see that it's changing and i hope it changes more in the end it's like it's herbs it's plants it's people it's health everybody should be interested yeah how can we lure some of our our younger our younger boys and our younger men into the gardens and into these herbal spaces for healing well we try in all different ways and my my school is going to be expanding first level of the expansion is to have a staff actually because i realize i can't teach all of it i have not enough time or days in a week and there's other people who need to be teaching this and that's the first level and then the second level is to bring it to where we can learn our teaching skills better by taking it to younger folk or inviting them in the hitchcock center does that um but it's oriented towards many things and we've had ideas of having like an herb mobile and just like pull into a get permission from a school pull in and and have a workshop do things like that that's one mobile sounds really fun introducing people to gardens as soon as they're getting out and they're seeing that it's just making tea more and trying medicinal stuff not being afraid of nature realizing that fruit 
and vegetables don't show up on the supermarket shelf. They actually come from earth and trees, and <laughs> yeah. they're good when you grab them from there, and yeah. don't be afraid of it. Yeah. So. I remember when I lived in New York, there was some, I used to always be going into, you know, the parks and be like foraging for, you know, wild garlic mm-hmm. and things like that. And I remember eating some, some blackberries that I found in one of the parks because all that stuff just grows yeah. in the parks down in New York. And some like high school students started laughing at me and they're like, you eat berries in a park? Ah! And I was like, no, it's actually like real food. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like they'd never seen that before yeah exactly you know it's like exactly. it's like no it's safe as long as you know what you're looking for it's right. totally safe <laughs> but so tell us a little bit more about um about your classes because we just started touching on yeah. these kind of different levels and the the breadth of of right. classes that you, and these different lenses right. that you teach from so the first year is this chinese foundations class and western class where we learn the lens of how to look at health and harmony and disharmony and imbalance and that's very very human oriented and then i have a whole series of ongoing classes at every level that's materia medica where we just go in depth herb after herb. my apothecary has over 300 herbs in it from around the world whoa mostly here but chinese as well and south american african australian everywhere um, and your your apothecary is specific for the the herbal products that you create for your clients for the clients like custom formulas and for helping people in my community and that you know if somebody calls up and says I really could and I also help other herbalists because I have a larger apothecary than most other herbalists in the area so they'll call me up and say do you have blah 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 and I'll say yep I happen to have that that is a significant amount of plants to have in your apothecary oh yeah it's <laughs> yeah. a lot and I'm I'm fanatical about it it's like i hear about a new plant and there's a part of me that says there's no room i was like i'll find the room i just i gotta know (laughs) this plant i really want to know it and then how do you how do you get to know plants um well that's where plant attunement comes in as well and that's a it's an indigenous language of plants that i learned through my cherokee and anishinaabe training and um there's a physical language of plants so i teach this course where you can learn about uh <laughs> Chris's chair just sank down on its own, <laughs> so we just had to do a little mic readjustment there. <laughs> so, <laughs> the studio has a little mind of its own at times, but uh, go on. that was probably me. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that so, was that was uh, connecting to the earth a little closer. <laughs> so there's a physical language where you the plants are speaking to us through how they look, where they grow, um, how they smell, what they taste like, and then. It goes on to increasing depths of subtlety until you have this plant attunement where you actually let go of your skepticism, sit with the plant, clear your mind as best you can, and just allow whatever comes to come. We do this in groups, and it's amazing. I've never seen it fail, which Mm. is quite astounding, considering that I sometimes do it in the winter at UMass in a class with 60 people with fluorescent lights on a vinyl floor with plants in pots and people will start telling me and us things about what they feel the plant was speaking to them and speaking in quotes and it's amazing how accurate people are so we're rigged for this but our way of being raised and our culture puts down that kind of wisdom so and it's a wisdom that's within us it doesn't need to be learned it needs to be remembered and uncovered and and allowed to 
flourish and get polished again. And trusted when it comes through. Trusted and also to realize that our right brain is intuitional. Our left brain is analytical and for a reason. It's like if you get an intuitional hit that this plant is good, before you start ingesting it, it's still a really good idea to go to a field guide and make sure you weren't intuitionally wrong. Nobody's 100% accurate. And so they're supposed to work together. We're supposed to be whole-brained, not one in charge of the other, not one superior or inferior to the other. But let's face it, the West has been very oriented towards the left brain analytical way to the uh, atrophy of the intuitional side. And then some people become overly intuitional and don't really listen or look at the science. And so it's good to have both. And plant attunement is a way of leaning into the intuitional side because we lean so heavily the other way but then there's my classes there's materia medica it's like this is what the chinese say this is what the west says this is what my experience says we're going to try them now take them home and try them see what they feel like and so that's that's experiential and theoretical and that is like the first year it's like here's some fundamentals here's new lenses here's a whole bunch of herbs and then the second year community herbalism we take those two lenses shuffle the two decks together, learn more herbs and say, okay, now, from a Western point of view, people are going to walk through your door and say, this is what's up with me. They're usually not going to talk in Chinese English and say, my chi is flowing incorrectly. They're going to come in and say, I was diagnosed with blah, blah, blah by my doctor. Can you help me? So we revisit all of these and then see how we can be of help in terms of building a protocol, lifestyle, nutrition, herbs to help the person and your community and that's a place for people who are learning to get their chops down and their confidence and their experience and if they really like it the way i did and want to keep going then the third year is okay now clinical practice how do you sit down with people you don't know and say i can help you and listen to them and be of service to them so and so by the time somebody has gone through their the clinical year this third year within your school they i would i would assume that people are bringing that forward to teaching they well it's very i let every single herbalist know that more than a practitioner of a person who is like using these words like diagnose and treat you're an educator this is why we have the first year you learn how people work you learn how herbs work and then you experience it for yourself that gives you confidence and at one point you can say i think i know enough to help my loved ones oh and now i think i know enough to help my community and it grows from there in a natural evolutional way and so by the time you get to the third level or beyond the third level you hopefully have enough confidence to say i think i can get a business card and but that's just that you just started at that point. Right. You know, it's just like that's why they call it a practice. You know? Yeah. So. And you learn so much from working with yourself. Oh, you learn yeah. so much more from working with other people. Never ends. Oh, yeah. Every time I see somebody, they're going to say something that it says, I'll get back to you on that one. I have to do a little research because I'm not a specialist. So I'm not going to know everything about the thymus gland because I people walk through my door asking me about anything so there's no way i can have everything in my head but yeah we have the internet we have we have i have vast amounts of uh 
access to research and it's it's at our fingertips and i can then look at it and say okay how would the chinese look at this how would the west look like this and then start to formulate some kind of answer based on a lot of these different yeah Viewpoints. And yeah. I feel like herbalists are also great at networking with other herbalists. And I, I feel like more than any other field in the healing arts, I, I see herbalists really, really networking and creating communities to share knowledge because yeah. there is such a, a wide range of knowledge. Yeah, it's and really democratic. It's really grassroots. And it's not, I mean, there are some out people out there that are more, um, competitive and maybe proprietary what do you call it proprietary blends type they're keeping their secrets but most herbalists i know as soon as you learn something that can be of value and help for somebody it's like let them know because we're supposed to be helping people yeah not you know we can earn a living from it but not at the expense of saying well this is my secret and you can only come to me and then i'm going to go to my grave with this proprietary thing it's like people need the help yeah you know so tell us a little bit about, because um, we're nearing the top of the hour, but sure. tell us a little bit about your Lyme Aid blend that you have for, for Lyme. Is it Lyme preventative? Mm, is it for somebody is, who's experiencing Lyme? Yeah, this is for any any place from the time after you've gotten bitten. If you've gotten bitten and have never had Lyme before and you're afraid that you might have it while you're going out to get the tick tested, days are going by, that disease can dive deeper into your body very quickly. So while you're deciding whether you want to take antibiotics, please take some herbal formulas to help with this. I'm not saying just mine. There are others out there. It's it's important because this particular illness goes from acute to chronic very quickly, uh, faster than most things we've encountered and so whether it's brand new or ongoing or uh, chronic and it's a it's a flare-up or a reinfection or any of the co-infections that we are now familiar with i just put a bunch of herbs in there that have been uh, um, touted from different traditions as being the best we have for that that i can get my hands on so there's some from the west some of them are invasive like japanese knotweed there's some from South America, like Pau de Arco and Cat's Claw. There's a couple from China, but we're growing them here now, like Andrographis and Woad. So there's about 12 ingredients in there, and um, I've been refining it, but it's pretty much been out there for over 15 years now. And I've not been in a rush to come across above the radar because it's not my favorite thing i'd rather be helping people and being in my garden and growing plants and yeah. teaching it's just one more hat i have to put on but enough people have been buying it from all over the northeast now and saying it's the only thing that's keeping them going awesome so it's like okay i have to put it out there yeah um, yeah it's its own little entity that yeah. needs to to grow and sprout so, so it's just this one product in this one company it's like people will say you're going to put other products out there it's like uh maybe we'll see. you'll see you just maybe. maybe yeah where can people find that the lime aid uh the lime aid you could still find well it's at acadia herbals okay. when they reopen in a few days mm -hmm. um you can email me and order directly that's that's a very easy way to do it. Uh, and can you shout out your email address really quickly so that people it's still listening? Clearpathherbals.com. Chris, I'm sorry, Chris at clearpathherbals.com. C H R I S, Chris. And uh, soon, because we're still building the website and getting all of our ducks in a row legally and financially, 
it'll switch over to the new company, which would be Chrysalis Botanicals, like a butterfly chrysalis. And all that will be linked on Clear Path Herbals. It'll be linked somehow, but we have to be careful because of regulations. I can't make a direct link. I can I can put out a, whatever, a flyer or a promo or a PSA or whatever it is that says this is where you go, and then it'll just be available. So just email you. Yeah, email yeah, me for that's now. That's the simplest way it sounds like for the moment. Mm-hmm. So, Well, um, it was, is there anything, we just have a few minutes left, is there anything that you feel like you would like to share with the world that you think is important or any words of wisdom that you'd like to put out there? Yeah, don't be afraid of nature, please. You know, there's a lot of things out there that seem scary. And uh, remember that it's a reciprocal relationship and nature is, and the world of plants is just waiting for you to just look in their direction and put your hands in the earth and she will respond anything you do tenfold. And uh, there's a deep sickness of disconnection that we're all feeling right now. And uh, sometimes I think that's why Lyme disease is here, to show us how disconnected we've become. Um, that's just me shooting from the hip. It doesn't stop all of the pain and suffering it's causing, but, you know, to turn around and then become afraid to go outside, just get more savvy and be more aware and don't be afraid of the world we live in. It's it's the only world we have. It's a a scary place. It can sound scary out there. Most of the scariness come from people. Nature's not very scary, you know, so... And it's also fairly predictable, and and it's not cruel or or um, vindictive. It's just doing its thing. So, get your hands in the earth. Drink some herbal teas. Don't be afraid. Go out, pi- find a book, and go out there and learn. It's just your backyard, and all the world around us is a medicine chest, just waiting for you. Mm, yeah. I love that. I love that. And, you know, of all the, the herbalists that I've met over the years, um, especially in this area that have studied under you, only positive things that I've heard from your classes and your workshops and, you know, your gardens and things like that. So um, yeah. thank you for the work thank that you. you're doing in the Pioneer Valley because it's, I mean, it's rippling. Yeah, I see that. It's yeah. fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. And then the spread. It's like, wow, that didn't happen from us, but kind of. And kind there of it did. goes. Yeah. yeah. That little roots and runners, you yep. know, went over that way. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Um, so we are just closing out right now with Energy Matters. And you've been listening to our chat with Chris Murano today of Clear Path Herbals. And be well, everyone. Bye-bye.